Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person like most people on planet Earth have been watching with deep sadness uh, the fires in Australia. More than a billion animals dead. More than 10 million acres burned. That's larger than the devastating Amazon fires of 2019. More than 80 times larger than last year's California wildfires. Climate change is here. And yet this week... Uh, someone who some people refer to as the leader of the free world uh, said at the World Economic Forum that we need to reject the prophets of doom and the predictions of the apocalypse. These are not predictions. Climate change is not a prediction. It is what's present right now. Fires, the oceans are acidifying, the glaciers are melting, the evidence of climate change is everywhere. But where is the action? Yeah, Maybe the action is right here, right now with us. And, and that's the topic for today's show. Joining us in studio is Michael Cheney with Project Sweetie Pie. Hello. Uh, hello. Uh, Yordi with Metro Booms. Hi. Jean Ross for Vo- with Vote Climate. And also joining us by phone is Jillian Seaman, and she's the Director of Food and Environment for Earth Day. Welcome uh, to Food Freedom Radio, Jillian. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So um, a, a brief history of Earth Day. This is the 50th um, anniversary this year. Yes, it is the 50th anniversary. We're extremely excited. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, in 19, 1970 marked our very first Earth Day, which um, was exciting. We saw nearly 20 million Americans um, take to the streets to demonstrate for a healthy, sustainable environment. Um, and since that day and all of the mobilization that happened um, emerged, um, Earth Day, which every year we now um, mobilize and we celebrate and we bring to the forefront um, environmental issues that um, we, we all like to work on and be part of since we all want to take care of of this planet. So we're really excited about celebrating the 50th um, anniversary. Uh, we will be uh, celebrating on April 22nd because that is... Um, the birth of, of Earth Day, but um, that entire week, especially in Washington, D.C., like we'll have a, a rally on, on the National Mall um, on April 25th. So we're very excited about about um, what's to come. And that first Earth Day, 20 million people um, participated, and it had such effects. Tell us about some of the legislation that resulted from that um, Earth Day 50 years ago. Um, let's see. So it was by the end of 1970, it Um, The first Earth Day had led to the creation of the United States Environmental Protection Agency, and it was um, that's when we had the passage of Clean Air, Clean Water, and uh, the Endangered uh, Species Act. Um, So because of the mobilization of that many Americans, um, you know, we created the EPA, which now that we think about it, you know, now in, in 2020, thinking about not having the EPA, not having um, the protection of, of clean air, clean water, um, it, it, it sounds crazy, but it was it was because of the mobilization that, that led to the passage of, of these acts back in 1970. Right. And um, I'm going to let other people ask you questions, too. But one before I do that, Earth Day was a unified response 50 years ago that that role of unity it really somehow captured the soul of the nation oh absolutely it was um i i think when you think about it um millions of americans were consuming vast amounts of lead through you know whether massive like an inefficient automobiles so that industry really had taken effect on most people. So I think what we saw was um, what air pollution was doing, um, you know, to the planet. Um, we saw that, um, you know, we weren't going to stand by and do nothing um, to protect the health of ourselves and the planet. And it, it took, um, you know, it took this effort for everyone to say, hey, um, I think we all need to come together. Our human health is being friends, and let's do something about it. And we were able to, to do that, and we still are today. Okay. Um, I agree that we shouldn't um, just um, take that one day to celebrate 
um, the earth. Um, in Minnesota, all during the whole month of April, we have events um, around uh, climate and clean energy and um, and historical. Um, I'm sorry, I keep saying them. <laughs> Historically oriented. How did we get here to where we are today? Yeah, that's and, a wonderful question. How did we get here? We have we have to for vote climate. We have to vote in uh, elected officials that are going to work on the wonderful solutions we have to our climate crisis, our this chaos that we're now experiencing. We cannot obviously be going in the wrong direction, which is what our uh, federal government is doing at the moment, um, c- completely eliminating the Clean Water Act, <laughs> the Clean Air mm-hmm. Act. And mm-hmm. and uh, so we have to. This has to get changed up. And and like yesterday, we don't have a lot of time left to pull our rear ends out of the sling here. How would you respond to that, Jillian? Well, I would say yes. I we have to mobilize. Um, and and this is this is talking about. We saw last year the youth climate strike, right? A lot of the youth now this year are going to be able to vote. So, um, like Jamie Margolin, who's one of the, um, a, a youth climate activist, she's going to be able to, um, to vote this year and able to mobilize, um, her base to be able to vote. And we can't take that lightly. Um, I think too many times we go into an election season and it, and it seems like right now with the candidates, um, on the stage that we are seeing, um, climate change be at the forefront of the issues. Um, we can, we can fight individually against oil spills and polluting factories and power plants and toxic, uh, toxic dumps and pesticides and loss of wilderness. We could, we could protest for that all we want, but we need legislation. And without voting the right people in office, we won't see that. And so for me, it's really about mobilizing people and, at, you know, on election day and make sure we're voting, um, for people that will be able um, to advocate for uh, for this. And Jean is with a group called Vote Climate. That's the group you're with, Jean. Yeah, we very small grassroots organization. We began about seven years ago, and we got our 501c3 status, and now we're getting a little more respect. We've become members of Minnesota Environmental Partnership. They're a group of about 70 uh, environmental and conservation-oriented organizations here in Minnesota that specifically work on policy, um, trying to get our state legislators to do the right thing for their constituents' health and well-being. But one thing I heard in Jean, and I think I'm feel, I know I'm feeling it too, is just a sort of a level of frustration because we need to be moving faster, and we still seem to be so paralyzed. And one thing, Jillian, I really like about the website that you guys did on EarthDay.org is that you have two billion actions listed on your website. Yes. Um, so you're you're referring to a billion acts of green. It's the world's largest environmental service project. We've engaged over 75,000 partners um, in 192 countries um, in observing Earth Day, but even around Earth Day. And these billion acts of greens are uh, are everything from um, folks planting trees, um, which we talked about earlier, um, to um, recycling um, center events where people will um, have an event and it's all around recycling, where people will come together to compost where um, students or um, schools will petition um, to stop eating meat. So the billion acts of green are, is, is really incredible because everyone really registers um, their contribution um, to the earth. Right, and that idea of a bunch of small actions actually adding up to a lot. And so if somebody has something that they're doing, um, I know uh, Lake Fall Environmental Studies, the, uh, the Friends in the Mississippi River, they have a, there's a lot of great events. They can go on your website and register those events. Absolutely, absolutely. And you'll see um, on our website, too, any event that's happening on or around Earth Day, we want to know, and everyone wants to know. So if you know of, a, um, of an event that's happening, please register it on our website so that you know, anyone in your area can see what is going on and can participate if, if um, they, they wish. 
And Michael Cheney? Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I really applaud uh, the work that you're doing with Earth Day. Um, you know, I got into this fight as an urban farmer growing food and work, worrying about food justice and uh, social justice, environmental justice, and really evolved to the realization that we're all environmentalists. Either we're good stewards or we're poor stewards. And so I really realized that just b- talking about food was not going far enough, that we really had to look at economics. We really had to lock up, talk about uh, about green enterprise, uh, green infrastructure. If we really want to be sustainable, we ha- living in a free enterprise system, we have to think broadly, we have to think comprehensively and realize that all action and all that we're doing is all one action, that the future is now. And so out of this pr- evolution, this kind of paradigm shift to really see that, you know, the headwaters of thought, if we're going to, we can't just make this, look at this as an environmental action, an environmental movement, because there's many communities, and particularly communities of color, that have really felt like they've been outside of the conversation, that that conversation is not for them, that what is, what do I have to do about a tree when I'm hungry? And so really, in terms of really trying to change that mindset to be more inclusive that in many ways progressive intellectual communities around the environmental had really created almost environmental apartheid that really and and we see that we have to make this environmental movement a populist movement and so and Michael we're going to take a change a little bit of a break but we're going to come back on this corner we're talking about the 50th anniversary of Earth Day you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950 the progressive voice of of Minnesota. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Join us for New Beginnings, Saturday mornings at 11, brought to you in part by Vision Loss Resources. This President's Day weekend, bring your family to the Osprey Wilds Environmental Learning Center, formerly known as the Audubon Center of the Northwoods, on Grindstone Lake in Sandstone. The all-inclusive family weekend has locally sourced meals and winter activities like ice climbing, wildlife programming, skiing, and much more. Reserve your spot at ospreywilds.org or call 320-245-2648. Osprey Wilds, experience your environment. Northeast Minneapolis is known for its creativity, and you'll know exactly why when you eat at Hazel's Northeast. Their creatively prepared comfort food will have you coming back week after week. Breakfasts like biscuits and gravy, granola pancakes, and brisket hash. For lunch, homemade soup, and one of the best Rubens in town. And don't miss the daily risotto or Chef Ali's ever-changing dinner specials. Come on in. Bring the whole family. Hazel's Northeast delivers real good food. Family owned at 29th and Johnson in Minneapolis. Moe's Tax Service in St. Paul is one of the most successful independently owned tax services in the entire country. They offer a diverse team of highly trained and screened tax preparation experts for personal and business tax needs. This year especially, changes to the tax code make it even more important for you to have someone who is a dedicated tax preparation professional. Moe's has been in the business since 1971. Visit them at moestax.com. That's M-O-H-S tax.com. Or give them a call, 612-721-2026. My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. I'm a better neighbor because my service has taught me how important it is to be a team player. My training helps me in my classes when I give attention to detail to the task at hand. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my country safe from threats. Learn more about how you too can live and serve part-time by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Minnesota Army National Guard. Aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association at this station. 
Food Freedom Radio, where we plant and nourish the seeds of change. We're having a conversation today about the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. And when we took a break, uh, Michael, um, I, I loved what you were saying. So um, let's just talk more about, um, I mean, how we, uh, you know, the, the environmental movement may have suffered from a lot of arrogance and just not, how, how do we all connect? How do we find that unifying way of, of leaving the world better? Well, it's not about how many degrees you have, how smart you are, you know, how brilliant you are, how gifted. If we're going to really uh, tackle this global warming and climate change uh, existential threat, then we have to bring all hands on deck, all hands on deck. Dive, dive. And we've got to bring all the community to this because we talk about the future, but the future is now. And so I wanted to create a... um in talking with some of the groups of folks that I've been working with, you know, Jean and, you know, her work, you know, four or five years ago trying to wake the community up to Earth Day and praying for it. And then uh, Erica Schlager Dos Santos was talking about, you know, doing a big initiative called 167 Climate Emergency Action Plan. And there's all kinds of these movements all across the country. But again, particularly through the lens of an environmentalist approach. And I wanted to create something that was, if you will, a little more humanist approach. And so here I created a thing called The Future Is Now. One tree standing, calling all humanity across this land to join us in this plan. A massive tree replanting as we replenish our green canopy, as we reduce the atmosphere to carbon-free. Come take a stand, a collective call for national unity. Let's all plant a tree in honor of a loved one's memory from sea to shining sea. How do we save a plant? And it's sorely in need of healing the family tree. And so this initiative locally that, you know, Erica, uh, I would really like to uh, bring to the national level is, is that we're really it's not just about Earth Day. It's really a, a, a symbolic ceremony. How do we overcome and go through a healing process of this divisive, you know, administration that has really tried to pit us against each other, the rich against the poor, the black against against the white, immigrants against those who were born in this country. And it's been so it's been so divisive that I think that planting the tree and putting together this national tree registry that brings all of us together as as the family of man to really work celebrate who we are as humans but also move forward in solidarity to plant a tree in honor of a loved one and keeping their memory alive and then that becomes a task that though then communities can build workforce development around in terms of caring for that and it can also become a ceremony that family members then take on this burden of caring for that tree because it has been wedded to the memory of a loved one who's deceased. So I'm going to bring uh, back, I, I love that idea, we're going to talk more about it later, but I want to bring back uh, Jillian and she's with earthtoday.org. What do you think of that idea of having trees planted in memory of humans and pets too? I think, yeah, I, I think it's incredible. Um, you know, we have something similar to that. It's not uh, in memory of, but the Canopy Project Um where it's um, where we do tree planting as well. Um, I, I mean, I think it's just such a beautiful sentiment. I think um, I, I think what was said earlier about um, you know food justice and kind of where we are with this administration. Um, I think the administration aside, um, you know, I've gotten over. I haven't gotten over, but my anger still is there. But I always have to look at what can we do as a people minus this administration because they're not going to progress this agenda at all. We know that. So what can we do? We are all living on this planet. We all want a healthier planet. What are the things that we can do? And planting a tree is one of those things. Um, you know, we we uh, at, at, at Earth Day Network have um, a program called Foodprints for the Future. And that particular program talks about um, how our food system accounts for more than a quarter of all greenhouse gas emissions, making animal agriculture one of the largest contributors to climate change. We don't necessarily link climate change and animal agriculture. We, we don't seem to make that connection. And 
I like to talk about incremental change because there are things that we can all do to help mitigate the climate crisis. And one of the things is, is taking a look at our food choices and saying, what am I doing to put in my body and disturbing the planet that's going to make a difference? And, you know, I talk about eliminating or reducing our meat consumption. That is the one, that is the single most immediate action we can all take right now to to help mitigate the climate crisis. So I always like to talk about incremental change because everyone's going to choose to do something that means, whether, whether it's recycling, whether it's composting, um, you know, shifts to make, to make a difference. And, and tree planting is, is definitely one of those. So for me, I feel like this administration aside, any sort of incremental change that we can make happen um, would benefit um, not only our bodies, but the planet as well. And I do want to point out, um, uh, Julian, that, that that is your uh, work is on the food and the intersection of food and climate. I also um, want to also point out that um, that some people believe that you need animals on the land. So it, the arguments can, or the, the situation can be more complex than um, no animals or, or animals. It, um, it's a vegan diet. It's also uh, just trying to find a regenerative ways um, and not the, the industrial system with the CAFO operations are absolutely horrible. And that's where the bulk of the meat comes from and then the small grass-fed operations have to compete with that and their prices are higher so it's a it's a complex issue well and it is broader than that when we talk about the amazon and the deforestation that is happening there that is really to help you know the uh so that the uh, ranging of of the growing of cattle so that we can, McDonald's can serve us these uh, these uh, hamburger patties and so yes it it i think it's a level of degree what we're really talking about is really the in fact even in t- linking it back to policy is we're really talking about making being more intentional more deliberate and realizing that the the work of the last 50 years of earth day and and uh, the work that Jillian and other national activists have been doing, the work that all of us in this room are doing, is really what we're doing is we are operationalizing the Green New Deal. And this is how we do it. And if we start really using, mouthing those words and going beyond, you know, even the young people that have been climate strike that have been coming out to protest, how do we go from protest to process to practice? And we have to become much more intentional in terms of the narrative that we espouse and being intentional in terms of how do we bring all human beings who may not see themselves as a tree hugger, may not see themselves as an environmentalist, but even the folks that are climate strike, how can we get them past protest to practice and really showing them some intentional campaigns like Earth Day and others are doing that can really mobilize people and let them realize that that either you're part of the solution or you're part of the problem. And Jillian, and it's gonna- all about it's all about it's all about education. Um, I don't I don't think there's been enough out there for people to understand, um, you know, what the effects truly are. If we don't take immediate action. Right, and that's what we want to do on Earth Day, because we want to take immediate action. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back. This President's Day weekend, bring your family to the Osprey Wilds Environmental Learning Center, formerly known as the Audubon Center of the Northwoods, on Grindstone Lake in Sandstone. The all-inclusive family weekend has locally sourced meals and winter activities like ice climbing, wildlife programming, skiing, and much more. Reserve your spot at ospreywilds.org or call 320-245-2648. Osprey Wilds, experience your environment. This is Chad, owner of AM950. I've been telling you about my friends at Snap Construction who are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior construction company in the metro. Don't just take my word for it. Take a look at all their reviews online. Winter is the most cost-effective time of the year to complete your construction project. A majority of Minnesotans choose to have their work completed on their home in the summer when they should be enjoying the weather. As a result, the demand for labor in the summer is much higher. The most cost-effective way to improve or restore your home is in the winter due to the lower demand. Right now, Snap Construction is offering an additional 30% off of labor to the AM950 listeners on your next construction project between now and the end of February. Call 612-333-SNAP 
and mention AM950 for an additional 30% off. As always, Snap Construction stands by their work with a lifetime craftsmanship warranty. Don't wait to get a free estimate by calling 612-333-SNAP or find them online at snapconstruction.com. Financing options available. Do yourself a favor and check out the amazing cuisine of eatlocalminnesota.com. More than just a website, eatlocalminnesota.com provides you with the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities. The award-winning Hazel's Northeast combines the feel of a small-town diner with the vibrant nature of its Northeast Minneapolis neighborhood. Whether it's breakfast, lunch, weekend brunch, or dinner, their classically inspired and creatively prepared American comfort food is always made from scratch. Hazel's Northeast at 29th and Johnson in Northeast Minneapolis. EatLocalMinnesota.com The dedicated staff at Nightingale Restaurant take pride in presenting a thoughtful and delicious approach to food and drink, whether you're visiting for dinner, happy hour, or brunch. Their focus on made-from-scratch meals using sustainable and local ingredients is likely to make Nightingale your go-to spot for inspired food and drinks. Nightingale, Lindell and 26th in Minneapolis. Finding the right lawyer is incredibly stressful. It can be tough to know even where to start. Don't just run an internet search for an attorney. Start with the Minnesota Lawyer Referral and Information Service, an enhanced program of the Hennepin and Ramsey County Bar Associations. They'll connect you with over 200 thoroughly vetted, qualified attorneys practicing in over 50 areas of law. Call 612-752-6699 or go to mnlawyerreferral.org. The right call for the right lawyer. With your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today, a chance of flurries before 8 a.m. and otherwise cloudy with a high near 34. Tonight, the clouds continue with a low around 23. Sunday will be sunny with a high near 31 and a low of 24, while Monday will be cloudy with a high of 32 and a low around 26. The Electric Fetus wants your used music. They're buying vinyl, CDs, and DVDs now through January 26th, and you'll receive an extra 50% if you choose store credit. That's 50% more to spend on their amazing selection of music and gifts. Located at 2000 South 4th Avenue in Minneapolis. More at electricfetus.com. So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. That is a clip of uh, Greta Thunberg um, speaking uh, a few days ago from the uh, World Economic Forum. People will not give up. We're not going to give up. Um, 50th anniversary of Earth Day. And um, I wanted, Yordi, we were talking, and, and you, you had something to say about uh, when the word education was used. So yeah. share that. I was just saying that, like, I think a lot of the time, as uh, I come from an environmentalist background, uh, but I also uh, work as an organizer in different communities. So a lot of the time when we use the word education, we have to be a little bit careful because I think it's it's like saying we're going as environmentalists. And I think Michael also said, you know, as intellectuals who have degrees, we're going to go into these communities and teach them about, uh, about uh, carbon emissions, things like uh, in very abstract ways. And a lot of the time it's not digestible. But the thing is, education is very uh, alienating. It's not that education is not what they need. A lot of the time, they already have the expertise and the tools. A lot of indigenous communities, people of color, uh, they already know. They've been working with the land for a very long time. Uh, education, I think, needs to be almost like rebranded. That's not the word exactly that we should be using. And I think at Metro Blooms, we've also been taking a look at that in a different way. Well, when you said that that pattern was what they need to do, they need to do this, they need to do this. Exactly. It's like, no, what about us? Yeah. What is it that we're doing? And yeah. isn't that wasn't that somewhat of the spirit of Earth Day 50 years ago when... Almost 10% of the population, it was us, it's we. You have to reflect on yourself as well. I think you have to, like a lot of Earth Earth Day messaging um, has this silos of people doing different things. Uh, There's people working on Endangered Species Act. There's people working on water issues. And all of it is very much connected. That's what the environment is. And people do know that. But I think understanding that if you don't center people, it's not going to be a sustainable movement. There's an urgency, but there's also an overwhelm. People are also overwhelmed with that everyday life that they are living. So how do you actually connect that and make it um, relevant to them? So I think that's kind of right. Like, but yeah, yeah I, I agree. I agree with that. But also, people always want to know what they can do to help um, reduce their carbon footprint, right? So, you know, I, I think from an education point of view and, you know, whether you like to use that word or not, um, you know, we've created toolkits um, that provide um, information like how to, whether you want to do um, a global cleanup, um, you know, if you want to talk about endangered species, if you want to, 
um, you know, look at the link between animal agriculture um, and the planet. Um, I, I think everyone everyone wants to know what they can do. And um, without having a full depth and breadth of, of what it is an individual can do and what kind of change that they could make, I think it's imperative to be able to get that information out. Um, to know what we are, what we are fighting for, what we are rallying for. Um, I mean, 2019 was the Earth's second hottest year on record. It was the fifth consecutive year the United States experienced more than 10 disasters, costing one billion dollars or more. When people look at that, those numbers, when you see that, and when you hear that, the impact of that um, initially for me, you know, when I heard that, is like, well, what can we do? How can I educate myself more to know that what I'm doing in my daily life is going to affect what I leave behind? I think we're all saying the same thing. It's just a matter of approach. You have to have, you know, a, a different spin, a different lead in, you know, to really bring people on board. If we're going to be, again, how do we make this, this environmental movement a, in, uh, a populist movement? Uh, four years ago, I created the first urban egg legislation in the nation. It took us four years to get the governor here, but he finally, uh, allocated, uh, half a million dollars to to um, uh, teach young people, nonprofits, for profits, schools, churches could uh, access some funds to do urban farming. And one of the reasons that I wanted, that I'm enamored actually with urban farming, was you know people would ask me, they say, "Well, are you a, are you a farmer? Are you a grower?" And I say, "Yeah, I grow, but that's not really what I'm doing." They say, "Well, what do you mean by that?" And I say, "Well, I'm really trying. I'm an egg patriot. That I'm really trying to bring." people people into the American dream and so that we can life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How do we mobilize communities, in particularly marginalized communities that have really been shut out, shut out from the river, shut out, shut out from these conversations that have been dominated and um, really by, you know, a voice that, uh, you know, and, you know, I know, you know, women are the Me Too movement. Everybody is, is really coiling, if not rebelling, from business as usual. And how can we move forward past business as usual to be much more expansive, much more comprehensive, and to move forward as one in one love, one heart, one community? And one love. This, uh, uh, in, does, did injustice create the climate crisis to start with? Was it injustice that's at the root of the climate crisis? And can justice be at the root of growing a tree with a sustainable world for all? Is that what we're saying? Well, I would make that argument. And, and let's look at, again, you know, people used to ask me, they said, well, you know, um, because the work of Project Sweetie Pie, I say that it's really the synthesis of three individuals. One is Will Allen, who's uh, grow, grow North in, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the Grand Poopah urban farming. One is uh, Bill Strickland, who for 20 years has been growing orchids in, in Pittsburgh and really getting young urban youth involved in growing. And the third one is Will Steger, who is really the lion in terms of global awareness and climate change. And so really I tried to synthesize the work of these three individuals to really be mentors and to help instruct me in terms of the work that we're trying to do. And but when you look at when you look at and I think to Yordi's point of view that she or her point that she was trying to make is, is that it's been indigenous people who have off always led who been the counterbalance to environmental degradation, the industrial approach to life, you know, um, commerce over humanity. Uh, we look at uh, the folks, the Maori people in uh, New Zealand who have started the personhood. Uh, so here in, we started in North Minneapolis the rights of nature and personhood for the Mississippi River. If you look at the work that's happening all across Africa in the Green Wall, you know, where millions and millions of trees. And so 
again, uh, not to take away from the great work that uh, environmentalists have done over the course of time, but you know, and uh, continue to do. But how do we go? May, how do we be more inclusive, more intentional to really open and up the circle so that we can learn from each other, that we can collaborate with each other, that we can get away from this kind of myopic worldview that pits you against me, whether or not it's it was some oftentimes we don't even realize that we're being pitted against each other. It's just this kind of uh capitalist approach to life that instead of makes us cooperative, collective, it, 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 even by default, it makes us competitive and kind of how do I vie against them so that I can be the most prominent, the most dominant, you know, environmental organization in the world instead of us setting aside our own personal agendas and uh, sustainability because of somebody here on the thing that we really can't be sustainable until we bring humanity into the equation. Yeah, I, I I definitely understand. I definitely understand what you're saying. I I worked in civil rights for a very long time at the USDA, and I was one of um, the people who worked on Pigford versus Glickman, which was a class action lawsuit um, alleging racial discrimination against African Americans. Um, and as a result, it it to date, I think it was about one billion dollars we paid out in settlements to black farmers, which we wow. also worked with Hispanic farmers. Um, uh, and Native American farmers and women farmers. There was a lot of discrimination when I was at USDA. And these, these were cases that, um, folks, um, filed for discrimination back in the 80s that weren't settled until the Obama administration. It was, um, I believe from 1981 to 1996 that these cases were all on someone's death. So I understand, like, I, I, I've seen the discrimination. I've seen what has happened. Um, and it still happens today. That's the most unfortunate part of it. It still happens today. And with this administration and this administration not believing in in, in civil rights of the USDA and, and pulling a lot of the programs that, that were funded under Obama, it's, it's telling of what um, this where this administration wants to go. Um, you know, but as Earth Day Network and I think some of the other environmental, um, you know, organizations go i don't think we want to we're not trying to pit ourselves against each other we really want to bring forth um the the message of um a healthier planet and what we all could do and how we can all work together we have so many partners working together to make sure that you know our 50th anniversary is successful but beyond the 50th anniversary we want to be sure that yes we're going to we have mobilized billions of people um, for Earth Day, and we've had over 190 countries engaged, that we want this work to continue to happen. Whether we, you know, we live for another 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, we want to be sure that we're all working together to progress and this movement, I, again, and we wanna, want to do whatever we can. I want to I want to get that energy, that, that vibe that I think happened 50 years ago. 20 million mm-hmm. Americans. I mean, this idea of unity and unity across um, across all people. Well, uh, anniversaries are very significant for the media. So uh, 1990 was the 20th anniversary of Earth Day, and it was huge. Yeah. And a lot yeah, of million, good efforts. 20 million Americans. <laughs> it was huge. It was huge. And uh, we don't want to miss this opportunity to really blow it out on the 50th anniversary. And, and I was working with... Um, uh, an environmental organization and also a business and uh, initiative that we were called uh, One Blue World, and uh, we were trying to get um, both corporate sponsors and environmental groups to work together. All of us pulling together to um, really make uh, the Twin Cities a world class. Uh, place. There's going to be world-class events in L.A. like there was in 1990. There's going to be world-class events in Paris and New York. Why couldn't we have one here in the Twin Cities? Didn't get a lot of buy-in, and it's kind of short notice now, but I'm really hoping we can do some really special stuff to launch this new Green Deal economy because the, it's the extractive economy that's gotten us where we are. The, the extractive lo- economy, yeah. They labor... Yeah. I mean, the lobbyists that go to Washington, that's why we're in this place we're at. They bought off our legislators to they do did. Um, you know, 
There's so much we want to talk about. Uh, Jillian, do you have other things you want to point to? Um, no, I, I, you, just, you said 1990. I thought you said 1970. Yeah, 1990, um, that's when Earth Day actually went global and mobilized over 200 million people. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think at that time it was around 120 or 140 countries. In just those 20 years, to see the progression of 20 million people to 200 million and to see where we are today, to see even last year, to see all the youth climate strikers last year, um, and to see the Green New Deal, um, you know, at, at, at the table. It's really telling the direction that we're going in. Um, yeah, and I would like, it would be great for, for the Twin Cities to have, to have a, a large event. Yeah, and um, so you're listening to Food Freedom Radio, and we're talking about the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. When we come back, a trillion trees. This is Chad, owner of AM950. Our station has worked with Barbara from WYSIWYG Web Design for years on everything from logo to print design and especially for developing our website. She does great work and is great to work with listening to what our goals and design ideas were while offering new, innovative ideas to create the website we are proud of today. Barbara made sure she understood our station, our goals, and our mission before she started working on our site and made suggestions to help control the cost. Plus, she's friendly, which set us at ease. I recommend Barbara at WYSIWYG Web Design because I know she will deliver an attractive, professional website within the budget you have. She is a local independent business that specializes in helping other local businesses achieve their website and design goals. She can work with nearly any budget and create anything from simple sites to robust custom functionality. To find out more about the company AM950 Trust, go to WYSIWYGWebDesign.com. Spelled out just like it sounds, WYSIWYGWebDesign.com. With all the convenient big box stores that sell appliances, why do so many Minnesotans choose Warner Stellion? Check online to learn that Warner Stellion is a Minnesota family-owned business for over 60 years. Warner Stellion sells more brands than anyone else, and our passionate specialists are committed to impressing you so much that you'll refer us to everyone you know. That's our mission here at Warner Stellion. Ask around, check us out online, and when it's your time to buy appliances, join over 300,000 Minnesota homeowners and choose the specialists, Warner Stellion. I'm Dr. Thomas Adams, President and CEO of Better Futures Minnesota. We're a social enterprise dedicated to rebuilding lives through housing, workforce development, health and family engagement, and coaching supports that give men the skills and relationships they need to succeed. Better Futures Minnesota engages men who had a history of incarceration, homelessness, poverty, untreated mental and physical health challenges to help them achieve self-sufficiency and a better future for themselves and their communities. Visit us at betterfuturesminnesota.com to learn how you can support our enterprise. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plan to nourish the seeds of change. We're talking about the 50th anniversary of uh, Earth Day, uh, which is coming up in April. Um, uh, with us uh, by phone is Jillian Seaman. She's with the organization EarthDay.org. And in studio, um, I want to just go around the table and get time to share your organizations, Yordi, and uh, just share the organization and what you're doing um, to try to create a sustainable world yeah so my organization is called metro blooms we are a nonprofit located at the twin cities uh we work on resilient landscaping but one thing that makes us a little bit more unique than other resilient landscaping uh based work is we really emphasize on equitable engagement uh and mostly for renters so we also work with affordable housing um a lot of the time in affordable housing it's low income and people of color that reside in those communities and they don't really have a voice 
voice in um, any sort of shaping of their green living space. Uh, and for them, the urgency is having a green space. Uh, so from the design, um, you know, the, from the beginning, uh, we we really center their voices um, and we kind of just uh, go, uh, go into the design and then go back to them again, ask for their feedback. So there's a lot of stewardship. Uh, there's a lot of building capacity, but not only in that way, but we also amplify the voices of lo- local leaders in different ways um, and then invest in the communities by hiring local contractors. So uh, it's a multifaceted work that we do. And um, I think um, resilient landscaping is, should be a center of a lot of the work that we do with and, urgency. And Metro Blooms is such a great group, and it's yeah. a wonderful model that you have, economic model as well, because you're saving money by preventing water to go into the storm drains. Exactly. And water, we, for us, water is uh, uh, our mastery, I, we, I like to say. Uh, it, water is something that everyone can relate to. So we work with a lot of Somali communities. We work with West African communities. We work with a lot of low-income communities, and most of the time, people have something to say about water. They always have a story about water. So how do you actually center their voices in a genuine way without really making the relationship transactional? And I think that's a way to start and making the relationship sustainable and talk about something larger like climate change and mitigation around it. Um, so, yeah, that's my work. Great. Michael, you want to talk about your tree planting? Because I love this. You're connecting trees and ancestors. Well, again, you know, how do we take this environmental movement and add a little humanity to it? You know, is that it's not just about, yes, you know, it's it's a direct correlation between, you know, people ask me, well, what does that got to do with me? Well, you know, without trees, there's no oxygen. And without oxygen, there's no life. And so this whole effort is really, you know, I see the work that I've been doing as a urban farmer and that and the work that we're doing on the rights building, uh, working on the rights of nature, uh, Mississippi personhood, the initiative, another initiative that we've birthed and uh, climate reality, you know, working, you know, Al Gore was just here in town. How do we take all of these kind of disparate strings and roll them up into one ball of yarn? How do we take all of these brush fires and build one bonfire? And so, again, the whole idea of um, how do and again, inspired or moved, certainly moved by the horrendous stuff that's happening over in Australia, that these are all the many faces of climate change. It's not just that, you know, there was a drought, you know, but there's all the, there's the ocean rise and that. We're sitting here in Minneapolis on the headwaters of the Mississippi. We could really become a lighthouse and a lightning rod for all things ecological. And so through this process of, of, uh, there's a development, 48 acres on the Mississippi River. It's called the Upper Harbor Terminal Development. And I've been advocating, let us look at that Upper Harbor as a lighthouse and a lightning rod. And instead of 40 acres and a mule, let's talk about 48 acres and a school framed around all things ecological, food and urban farming, historical preservation, and food and urban farming. And so using all of those cornerstones, and then the vertical diagram is research and development, applied education, workforce development, internships, apprenticeships, and the foundation being public-private partnerships. How can can we bring all hands on deck if we're going to um, f- overcome this uh, existential threat? And so this uh, family tree initiative is, again, another innovative way to bring everybody on board. Right now, we've got 20 organizations, two of my colleagues here uh, from Metro Bloom and Vote Climate. But we've got PPL and uh, the Twin Cities Habitat for Humanity, Urban Homeworks, uh, Northside Green Zone Task. Force, the Minneapolis Environmental Services, the Fire Department, you know, we're really the Conservation Corps, the Tree Trust, the Rights of Nature Personhood, again, Eco Harbor Co-Creation. We're really trying to get away from this siloed approach to bringing all people together because united we stand, divided we fail. Right, united. And I just want to go in, I was, uh, the Metro Council has some really good um, maps on there about um, extreme heat in the Twin Cities 
cities, you can actually see on those maps the effect of the tornado um, in North Minneapolis. Because the tornado in, in 2011 took down so many more trees, that actually makes it the heat island stronger. So people can go on Met, Met Council and get that information. And you can even go back farther. You can talk about redlining, right? Right. That through redlining, yes. that really also reduced the, the tree canopy. And you can see the correlation between marginalized community who were, again, the tree canopy was not a consideration and who were who are the great folks who are suffering the most from environmental injustice right. yeah. is cool. and Jean, I-, I wanted to say that this tree planting thing is just excited me so much because our first uh, project's going to be up on the north side and they really do need more trees up there i mean it's more it's a permaculture thing it's more involved in just planting trees but it's an environmental and a social justice issue and we also want to try to do some around powderhorn park because south minneapolis also lost a bunch of trees in another tornado yeah. just a different year not different years i i <laughs> i see this in my heart please oh, last two minutes uh, jillian i just want to give you a last minute to shout out your organization and give everyone else time to let us know how we can connect with you so your organization jillian yeah um so it's earth day network um and you all can go to earthday.org and you can you know you can read about the history of earth day you can sign up for 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 a cleanup um, there are so many different ways to um, to be involved in our work. Um, so it, it'd be wonderful if you're having an event or if you're looking for an event in your area. Um, you know, you can always um, plug into um, our website um, and share, share the work that's going on and the events that are going on. Or if you have, um, you know, if you're... Great. Well, you know, I thank you so much. I want to make sure I have enough time for everyone to stop in. And but thank you so much, EarthDay.org and Yuri. MetroBlooms.org. You can find us. uh, We also are on BlueThumb.org. BlueThumb.org and MetroBlooms. Yeah, MetroBlooms one word. dot org. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, Michael Cheney Project Sweetie Pie, and uh, we're on out there on the web. Uh, you know, just look us up. Uh, and again, this is a, a joint effort. This family tree is, like I said, right now we've got 20 agencies, and uh, you can certainly, uh, we want everybody to get involved. We're looking for trees. We're looking for people to plant trees. Uh, Gene Ross, board president of Vote dash climate.org and um, we are really excited to put together all the resources we need the experts that know what type of trees and how to put them in a, a complete environment that will they'll live we don't want to lose any trees that we plant uh, people that plant the trees uh, money from foundations to plant trees um, people want to plant um, Earth Day <laughs> it's coming up the 50th anniversary um, April 22nd you're listening to Food Freedom Radio get active plant a tree